0: This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching today, and we're delighted to have those who may be watching today for the first time. Now, today on our telecast, we're going to talk about God. We want to talk about the consolations of God. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible correspondence course that we have offered now on our telecast for a long time. And we continue to offer it because people continue to request it and want to study the Bible. It is a refreshing thing to me to find so many people They're eager to study the Bible. That you might know how you can receive the free Bible course. And we want to pause for just a moment.
0: To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail. And it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314 Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or
1: call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. The book of Job is one of those books of the Bible that is, has an appeal to all people. It's about a man who suffered greatly. It's about a man who had various Uh, debates or conversations with friends. Some of them accused him of things of which he was not guilty. But I want to read a statement that was uh, about uh, Job in Job chapter 15. It's actually a question that was asked and it's in verse 11. Are the consolations of God too small for you and the word spoken gently with you? Eliphaz, one of one of Job's critics uh, asked this question, and, and the question carried a sting with it. Er, earlier in this chapter, in verse 4, he, had, he accused Job of casting off fear and, and restraining prayer before God. And then in verse 5, he said, Your iniquity teaches your mouth, and, and you choose the tongue of the crafty. And then in verse 6, he says, Your own mouth condemns you. And then he says, your own lips testify against you. And then he asked Job this question, are the consolations too small for you? Well, he implied that Job had lost sight of God's consolations. But he misjudged Job. Job had not lost sight of the consolations of God. Job is the man who said in the first chapter, The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But it's still a good question for us to consider. Are the consolations of God too small for you? This is a question that ought to be asked when we're discouraged. This is a question to ask when we have turned away from God. And this is a question we need to ask ourselves when we've lost perspective, are the consolations of God too small for you? I think the more we consider this question, the more we realize what God has done for us. Now think about the consolation of God's promise. And there is a consolation of His divine promise over in the book of Hebrews, the the sixth chapter, and verse 17, the, the Bible says, Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immu- immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for res- refuge to lay hold of the hope set before us. Strong consolation. And we can have strong consolation. Why is that? Why well, the promise of God gives us that strong consolation. We have that consolation because our God is a God who cannot lie. You know, the value of any promise that anyone makes depends upon the integrity of the person making that promise. I'm sure that you may have known someone in your life that if they were to promise you something, you know that they would fulfill that promise. And then on the other hand, there may be people in your life and if they were to promise you something, you would know that in all probability they would never perform because of the past record of that individual. But we can have the consolation of God's promises because God is a God of integrity, and He's a God who keeps His promise. As we read in Second Kings 8:56, there's not failed one word of all of His great promise. Anything God promises us is going to be fulfilled. You can believe what God says. In Acts 27, 25, Paul said, Sirs, I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. And if you can find no consolation in His promise of God, well, I can tell you, you're not going to find any consolation anywhere else. And in John 6, you know, there were some disciples that turned back and they walked no more with Jesus. And and the Lord turned to the twelve and said, You're going to also go away? And they said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou Thou hast the words of eternal life. When you turn away from God and the consolation that God is able to give, there's just nowhere nowhere else to go. I want you to think about the consolation of the promise of God's pardon. Now, that's an important thing for us to consider God's pardon. Will God pardon me? I had a lady write me a letter one day, and she she was uh, confined to an institution. And she had so many problems because of her background and, and because of her illness. And she had done some terrible things. And she told me about those terrible, terrible things in that letter. And here was her question. Can God forgive me? Well, God is a forgiving God. As a matter of fact, when God forgives us, He pardons us completely and thoroughly. In Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 and 7, we're told that he will abundantly pardon. And that's what we all need. We need to be pardoned. Like a person condemned to die that needs pardon or else they're going to die, maybe by execution or by hanging or some other means of death. We face eternity And without God, we need pardon of our sins. And our God is willing and ready to pardon. That's the consolation of His promise of pardon. Listen to His promise in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. I will be merciful. Don't you like that word, merciful? I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You see, when God forgives us our sins, He treats us as though those things never happened. He doesn't remember them against us any longer. He is a God who forgives. And He's promised that. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But His forgiveness, His pardon is conditional. You cannot expect to receive pardon from God if you don't believe in God. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, the Bible says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of all of them that diligently seek Him. Yes, indeed, God's offer of pardon, His promise of pardon is conditioned upon our believing in Him, but is also conditioned upon our believing in His Son. And John 8, 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. But also, in order that we might receive the promise of that pardon and the benefit of that pardon God has promised, we must be willing to repent of our sins. In Acts the third chapter and verse 19, Peter said, repent and be converted that your sins be blotted out. And so we can never have our sins blotted out, that is, be pardoned without our repentance of sin. And then as a penitent believer in Jesus Christ, I must be willing to confess my faith in Christ. That is a condition of pardon. In Acts 8th chapter, we have an example of a man who met that condition of pardon. He's the man from Ethiopia. And this was his confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He met that condition. And then baptism into Christ is also a condition of pardon. Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Are the consolations of God's promise of pardon too small for you? You see, if you refuse the pardon that God has offered, then there is no consolation. But then there is the consolation of the promise of God's presence, Where is God? Well, God is everywhere. And God is always with those who are His. Listen to His promise, Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will never do that. There have been people who got married And on their wedding day they made a vow or a promise somewhat like that. They would say to one another that I promise that I will live with you after the ordinance of God and the holy state of matrimony forsaking all others for as long as we shall live. And it's not very long until they forget all about that promise. And then they go after someone else. But let me tell you something. When God promises that he will never leave you, and that He will never forsake you. You can bank on that. You can just mark it down. God will keep His Word. In giving the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said in verse 20, And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The psalmist said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then there is the consolation of God's protection. In Psalms chapter 57 and verse 1 the psalmist said, In the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge. God is there to protect us as His people. In Psalms 133 verse 9 I flee unto you I hide me, and we can flee to God. We have the consolation of the promise of God's mighty protection. And then, furthermore, there is the consolation of God's promise of provision and His providence. Many people do not believe in providence. That is, that God, in keeping with His established law, works within the boundaries of those laws. To help mankind, and there is a general providence where God blesses those who are saints and, and sinners as well. He makes the sun shine on the evil and on the good, that the the, the, the the rain falls down upon the righteous as well as the unrighteous. You see, there's a general providence, but there's a realm of special providence where there are blessings and things that God will do for those that are His and His alone. Listen to Matthew chapter 6 in verse 33 where Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. That's providence. That's the promise of God that He's going to take care of those who belong to Him. In Psalms chapter 37 in verse 25, the psalmist said, I have been young and now I am old, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And then listen to Romans chapter 8 and verse number 28. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love the Lord, to them that are the call according to to His purpose. That's providence. God is working in our lives for good. Sometimes we may not see the good. We may not understand the good. We may not perceive the good. But good comes out of the things that happen in our lives. Paul was in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And in chapter 1 and in verse 12 he said, The things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Well, what happened to you, Paul? I was put in prison. I'm in bonds. And yet it has given me and provided me an opportunity to preach the gospel. not that a wonderful thing? To know that God in our lives is working things out for our good. You remember, Joseph was sold by his brothers And they put him in a hole in the ground waiting for the slave traders to come by and take him to Egypt. Do you think he sat on the bottom of that hole thinking this is a terrible thing my brothers have done to me but I know that someday I'll be able to see some good come out of it. I doubt seriously that he saw that at that point in time. But later in life he's now in Egypt He's been second in command, and he's prepared the land for famine. And his brothers come to the land of Egypt looking for food, not knowing that he's still alive. And then finally Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, and they quake in their boots. And Joseph said, Now don't be afraid. You meant it for evil when you sold me as a slave. God meant it for good. You see, it took some time for him to look back and to see the hand of God in the things that were working in his life. And so everything that happens to us in life is not all that bad. It may turn out to be a blessing in disguise. You see, the consolation of God's provision and His providence is there for us. Someone says, do you believe God can provide for us? I know He can. I don't think He can. I know that He can. In Philippians 4, 19, Paul said, my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. You see, our Father owns the universe, and He's plenty capable of providing what we need. But then there is the Consolation of the promise of God's peace. Peace with God. Have you ever made peace with God? In Romans 5 and verse 1, the Bible says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How did Paul make peace with God? Well, in the sixth chapter, we learn how Paul made peace with God. He died to sin. That's in verse 2. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And then after he died to sin, he was buried with Christ in the waters of baptism. Know you not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. That's how Paul made peace with God. Let me ask you, have you ever made peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever given your life to Him? Do you have the peace that passes all understanding? When you go to bed at night and you pillow your head and before you go to sleep, do you ever think, if I were to die during the night, where would I be in eternity? And if you know in your life, in your heart that your life is not right with God and that you've not made peace with God, may I plead with you to lean heavily upon the promises of God. A woman was dying and someone came to her bedside and asked her this question. Have you made peace? Now what they meant by that, is your soul secure? Do you have your books balanced? Are you ready to go? But they asked her, Have you made peace? She said, No, I've not made peace. I'm resting in the peace that Jesus made. You see, He is our peace, Ephesians 2.12. We have peace through the blood of His cross, Colossians 1.20. And it's when we come to the foot of the cross that we make peace with God. Man, generally speaking, is at war with God. There may be some of you that are watching the telecast right now that that feel that tug within, and you you know what's right, but you're fighting against it. You're fighting against the Bible. You're fighting against God. You're fighting against Jesus. You're fighting against the church. And I would urge you to make peace, and you're going to have to surrender. I'd urge you to put up the white flag of surrender. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You can have the consolation of the promise of the peace of God almighty you don't have forever to do right now is the only time that you have you know god god's promises are promises upon which we can lean at all times there's a song we sometimes sing standing on the promises of God. And I love that old song, standing on the promises of God. The, the, Peter describes God's promises in Second Peter 1 and 4 as being exceeding great and precious promises. And, and his promises are great promises. They're great promises. They're precious promises. They're exceeding great promises and precious promises. I want you to imagine you've come to the end of your life. You realize that you only have a short time in which to live. What is your hope for the future? Well, here's an individual who's a Christian, and they have great hope for the future. There was a preacher by the name of Paul Edwards who came to the point where he was almost to leave this world. And when he died, it is said that his wife came to his bedside, folded his hands, and said, like the great apostle for whom he was named, he has fought a good fight. He has finished the course. He has kept the faith. I refuse to weep as one who has no hope. You see, when you have your life given to the Lord, you do indeed have hope. Without Christ, there is none. With Christ, there is all hope. Now let me read the question one more time. Are the consolations of God too small for you? Do you really believe God? Do you believe His promises? His promise of pardon? The promise of His presence? The promise of His protection? The promise of His provision and His providence? And do you really believe the promise of His peace? I would urge you to give your life to Christ today. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. I remember going to see a man one day at the request of his mother. He was dying with cancer. And I said, I, I, I've come over here to visit you and I want to talk to you about your soul. He said, Preacher, don't talk to me now. And that man waited and waited and he waited too late. I'm not his judge, but he never rendered obedience to Christ. In his life, I I would urge you not to hesitate and not to delay. Now, I want to thank you for watching our telecast today, and I hope that you will think about the consolations of God, the things that God has done to console, to comfort you. I want to give you a personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community, and you will find people who will give you a Warm welcome. And also, right now, pick up the telephone and call for the free Bible correspondence course. Call without hesitation. Now, you may prefer to take the course online, and we have the information on the screen as to how you can take the course online without having to call, without having to write. But don't put it off. Don't hesitate. We constantly hear from people who tell us that this is the best thing they have ever done. May I say in closing that we have many of you who sometimes call in with prayer requests. Let me tell you what we do with those prayer requests. You say, I just wonder sometimes if you ever pray for me. Every Thursday night, people meet at my home and we pray for you. I want to thank you for watching today, and until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my prayer.
0: Coming to Faulkner has been one of the best decisions of my life. Not only have I had the chance to meet many great professors, but I've had the chance to be educated by them and become their friends. I had the opportunity to serve the community through Faulkner service programs. I really enjoyed using my talents by helping others.
1: At Faulkner University, we seek to educate the whole person, including mind, spirit, and soul. That's what makes us different. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you.